And no one gets to tell you what works for you. No one gets to tell you who you are. What is up, everybody? My name is Kelsey Lowe. You are listening to Joyfully You Podcast. And today, our special guest is Kathleen Elizabeth Childs, also known as Liz Childs on Instagram, Heal Your Inner Childs. And she's a crisis therapist. She's a psychologist. She is a therapist. She's a clinical professional all around. This woman knows her stuff. She is so intelligent and she is so full of love. She has a huge mission and vision for the world and and you guys are gonna fall in love with her. Like her message today is so invaluable and a lot of it is about managing stress, adrenal fatigue, understanding our body, the connection we have and a lot of it is about healing and then empowerment within that. She is a coach, she is Oh, so many things. She's she's multifaceted and I'm so excited to share this episode with you. Okay, let's dive in. And I have so many certifications and I can be brilliant and then go, oh yeah, and I'm really stupid when it comes to this. And I can get in self beat up and I'll sit on the pity pot and I'll feel sorry for myself. And it's like, well, and then you know what? Set the damn timer and then move, move. And it's like, that's where we get to go. And adrenal fatigue is when it's like, it's not moving at all. And it's like, so irritable bowel syndrome and like the IBS is a big one. Fibromyalgia. I have never met somebody with fibromyalgia that has not had a type of early childhood trauma. Really? Yes. Wow. And that's like, so prevalent in my office. I mean, somebody with lupus, that's an, like, we're talking about immunological kind of diseases and deficiencies. And, you know, and like, like doctors, did you know that there is no actual adrenal fatigue? That is not a medical syndrome. Most doctors don't even want to like deal with that. Yeah. I didn't know what it was until later. Someone saying that sounds like this. And I'm like, oh, and when I started reading it, it had all these different symptoms. And I was like, oh my God, that's what it was. Because when I removed myself from the stressful situation, all of a sudden, like the symptoms went away. And I was like, oh my God, they were related. I thought I just had a bunch of shit wrong with me. (laughs) Right. And I'm like, and what I tell people is like, when fear has entered the room, when pain has entered the room, when fear or air or pain are present, the teacher is present. So I'm going to repeat that again. So you can actually put that on the podcast. When fear is present, when pain is present, the teacher is in the room. What does it have to teach you? And pain is a very, very powerful teacher. And like one of the things that I always say, and I teach my patients and I teach my coaching clients is that Life is a tough teacher. It gives you the test first and the lesson later. And it's like it's school hard knocks out here. And it's like we only learn by pain and by repetition. And here's the kicker. You get to choose when you're going to learn. And we choose how we speak to ourselves. 85% of the messages that we tell ourselves in our mind, 24-7, 365, is negative. And then we're teaching in our schools, we're teaching 
We're teaching so much about memorization, regurgitation, and distraction. So when we're feeling something, we don't know how to feel it, and I don't know how to manage it, what do we do? We suppress. Mm-hmm. We deny. We're told to shut it down, get it together, shake it off. Yeah, put your big girl panties on, you know, pull mm-hmm. yourself up by your bootstraps, grow a pair, balls to the wall. All of those euphemisms, which are so incredibly sexist and hurtful and dismissive. And it actually doesn't actually get us anywhere. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, so when it comes to things like that, I'm just going, people, what are you thinking? Where does that go? Well, they're thinking the same things their parents thought. We're just adaptively learning, well, maladaptively learning everything around us. Mm -hmm. And the learning doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And then what happens is, is when you cannot unlearn something, let me make that very clear. Like behavioralism and psychology taught us that very clearly. There can be extinction, but then there can be a very rapid comeback when you learn it very quickly. It's like, so, I mean, we learned learned that with Pavlov's dogs. And that was like, that was like, what, 60, 70, actually, that is almost 80 years ago now. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, well, did we learn nothing? Well, and, and can, you, can you explain like the concept of that? Of Pavlovian, the response? Yeah. So, yeah, because I was actually a professor for two years of psych and abnormal psych and developmental psych. Um, so Pavlov was a Russian scientist. And one of the things that he did was, is he actually studied behavioralism. And it was actually quite cruel. This, this experiment could never happen at this point, simply because it ha- involves animal cruelty. But unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, we did learn a lot from it. So Pavlov had dogs, like they were surgically modified so that he had the gear to be able to, to collect the saliva that they produced. So you took an unconditioned stimulus, like food, that you automatically salivate when there's food. Because it's like it, you know, it lubricates the system. So what he would do is like every time he would take a unconditioned stimulus, the food, and a conditioned stimulus of the bell, and he would introduce them simultaneously. So what happened when he when he really went further into the experiment? At first, he was just introducing the food; the dog would salivate. Then he would introduce. The bell, the dog would not salivate. There had not been any association. Hmm. Then he started to actually present the food with the bell, ring the bell. So, and then like in the, in the mind of the dog, they learned to associate the bell with the food. After a while, he then presented the bell without the food and lo and behold, an unconditioned response a conditioned response, the dog began to salivate at the ring of the bell with no food present. They learned by association. And so what happened was, is after a while, he would ring the bell, keep ringing the bell, no food, and then it extinguished. Like, it became an extinguished response. Mm, And... They learned that the bell no longer paired with the unconditioned stimulus meant food. So when he was ringing the bell, they didn't salivate. But then all of a sudden, what he found was it was exponentially quicker when he, can, when he actually presented the bell and the food again. The, the response came much, much quicker. 
Mm. And it was like, so they had already learned, you cannot unlearn something. You can, you can learn something new. You can turn down the volume. You can change it. You can shift it. You cannot unlearn. So once we learn and we learned how to associate something, it will never go back. It's never the same. And that's what we call flashbulb memory as well. So when someone has a trauma and trauma actually takes a second when we have trauma, we learn to associate with something. It doesn't mean that it's always fair. So for example, if you were sexually mis- if you were raped by someone who just happens to be African-American or just happens to have a mustache, the, the human mind is so incredibly powerful, it only takes one time to associate. Mm. So at that point, in order to protect yourself, your mind will associate a mustache on any man of any gender, uh, I'm not, I'm not of any gender, but any ethnicity <laughs> yeah. as being dangerous. And wow. so and it's like, so that association becomes very, very real and very alive. So it's, and it's something that you can be conditioned to learn, you know, to go beyond that learned response, but it's still there. Mm. I, that, I, that actually happened to me with working out because I didn't realize it was like Pavlov's law, but I would listen to the same exact playlist. And then all of a sudden, I, and I would only listen to it and I worked out only because I, I told myself that's my workout playlist. And I was hoping it'd be like a hypnosis to like remind me to sweat. And it did because right. I was walking around the mall and one of my workout songs came on and I felt myself getting like kind of tingly. Like my body was like, why are we not moving right now? And I was like, what the hell? Oh my gosh. Right. Well, you know, it's like, well, I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, because to have an overgeneralization doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a racist, doesn't make you sexist or you know, massages, or it doesn't make you anything. And what it does is it just simply means that there was a conditioned response and you learned something and now you get to learn something new in order to replace a limiting belief. And that's really what we're, we're talking about here is, is like replacing uh, yeah. limited belief. And so like when I tell people, I'm like, the body loves routine. So when I tell them about, you know, getting like moving into a position for like meditation, like where do you put your hands? You know, like a lot of times I form mudras. I circuit my body. And as soon as I do that, because I've done it so often now, my body immediately begins to relax. And, you know, or like, so when I tell them, like, you know, simply, like, did you ever get ready? And then you're, you're all ready. You got your shoes on, you got everything. And then you're like, oh, oh, I forgot something in the bathroom. And you go to get it. And all of a sudden you had to pee when you didn't before. Condition yeah. response. Interesting. It's very simple. It's very simple. So it's like, you know, and, and, but like but the human mind is so incredibly powerful and we have the ability to associate something like touching something hot, like a burner, a hot burner. It's like, that's only going to happen one time. My, my boxing coach calls it a self-correcting behavior. <laughs> yeah, that makes <laughs> it's sense. Like you drop your hands and you're going to get punched out. So it's like you, you, yeah, self-correcting behavior. Uh, and so interesting that it takes one time for us to not return to physical pain, but we will perpetually return to emotional pain. Oh, absolutely. And you know, there's something really, really fascinating about that is I have learned that people are always like afraid of rejection, right? They're always afraid of judgment. We usually use that as like a limiting belief to stop us because like, you know, the ego is very powerful. We don't want to be hurt. We want to avoid getting hurt. Mm -hmm. And what they found is, is when they actually did 
electroencephalograms. That's the, the diagrams and like of the electrical currents in the brain. And what they found is, is that rejection, psychological, emotional rejection lights up the exact same areas of the brain as what happens when we suffer physical pain. Wow. No kidding. So it is very real. And this is what I would say about trauma is that when we have adrenal fatigue and I'm like, and I've been reading more about this and I'm like, it's fine. It's so fascinating because like, you know, I, I'm like, they're constantly discovering more about neuroscience and neuroplasticity and trauma and being trauma informed. This is why we get to actually educate the masses. And I find this so fascinating is that the mind, just like with rejection and just like with physical pain, can't tell the difference. So just like real fear when you're standing in front of a bear versus anxiety that is future based of something that has not happened. I have the fear, uh, I have the anxiety that I'm gonna, I'm gonna fail. I have the anxiety that somebody's gonna say something or judge me. Your body, your mind does not know the difference. So your adrenaline gets released. Cortisol gets released. And then your body, it gets trapped. And that's why movement is so incredibly important. So it's like, you know, I used, I never believed this when I was going to school. People like, oh, you know, working out, exercise, the best medicine. I'm like, Who, who's, who's got time for that? Now <laughs> I understand that it's like, it really is the best medicine. Because if you ever look, like look to the wild, look to the animals, look to nature. They do this naturally. If a gazelle gets attacked by a lion and it's like, and it plays and it will play dead. And it's like the lion, maybe, maybe it's not hungry. Maybe it like, you know, it doesn't want something that's like dead already. It's not a challenge and it leaves. And what they've, what they've actually observed in this is the gazelle will get up and it will violently shake, violently shake until it can't shake anymore. And it like, it will cry out and then it calms down. It is releasing and then it moves forward. What do human beings do when we, when we come up against a real or a perceived trauma, an anxiety provoking an instance or circumstance event, what do we do? That didn't happen. No, no, no. Like that can't happen to me. No, that, that I, I don't know what to do with that. Like, you know, I, I shouldn't be feeling this way. I don't That's want to feel I this way. That didn't mm-hmm. happen. Or, you know, maybe I was asking for that. Maybe like, you know, maybe he didn't mean it. Maybe, you know, cause I know he says he loves me. We, we do this. We rationalize, we intellectualize, we compartmentalize, we deny, we suppress, we go into regression. We make up excuses. And then it's like, why? Because naturally in nature, it's like, we're not releasing that. We're not releasing. Like, and that's what I tell people, like, get very, very used to the sound of your footsteps walking away from things that do not serve you. And do not feel any shame about that. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as we start to go in shame, that is the lowest vibration we have. And it will keep you stuck. And it stays stuck in your body. And as it stays stuck in your body, your adrenal glands are going, you get into fight, flight, freeze. It's part of the sympathetic nervous system. And then like your body can't regulate digestion. It can't regulate, you know, sleep and movement and, and feeling. It just starts to go, but I'm still in crisis. I'm still like yeah. the amygdala that's in the brain is turned on. You're going to see danger in everything. Yeah, that's exactly. 
Yeah, that's exactly like what I was experiencing when I, before I even knew what adrenal fatigue was. So it's so interesting too, how you were saying that the doctors don't even recognize it, you know? So how can someone be able to self-identify if they could be experiencing adrenal fatigue? There is so much wisdom in the body. So when you're feeling like, so there's like the vasovagal theory is that everything runs along this part of your body. So when we this actually- part being the top of the head down to like the, the middle of the stomach. All the way basically the actually to your gut. Okay. So it's almost like gut. the chakras then, huh? Exactly. Very much so. And like, if you ever notice that there are a lot of different things and there's, there's a wonderful book. And actually, Kelsey, I would really recommend that you get this. I would actually really recommend that your, your listeners get this. It's an amazing book. It's called Eastern Body, Western Mind. Hmm. So that we could actually learn a lot from Eastern cultures and like the integration of listening to the wisdom of the body and then like the Western of listening to the science. And there gets to be a balance and amalgamation of the two. So it's like, it's not just holistic, woo-woo, you know, not scientifically based. It's like, I really refuse to believe that there are practices out there like acupuncture, like acupressure, like yoga that have existed for over 5,000 years that have no validity. Things like that don't exist if like for that long if they don't have validity to them. So Eastern body, Western mind, and it actually teaches about that. So when we start looking at the different parts of the body that correspond to emotional response, you can actually look at both the physical and the emotional parts of that and how it gets stuck. So the vasal vagal is like, so when like we're looking at the body, did you ever notice that when you go into an anxiety attack, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling anxious, it's like we get headaches right here between the eyes. Did you ever notice that you get that sinus pressure right here? Or like you clench your jaw, you oh, get yeah. that lump in your throat, your heart races. Yeah, my, my yeah. neck has your like tenses up. Mm -hmm. up. Yeah, your neck tenses up, your shoulders are up close to your ears. And then like, you know, like, and then like your stomach is doing those flip-flops, you get nauseous. Sometimes people can have diarrhea. They have like, they get irritable bowels. They have difficulty eating. It's like all that is fight, flight, freeze response. And it's like, because your body is actually dumping adrenaline in your system. It's like run, run, or I've, I've got to fight. And, you know, and it's like, and there's the body is just, it's, it's meant to, it's designed to protect you. So it's like, you know, did you ever notice that? Like, this is one of the things I find fascinating is that when we go into a trauma response, our hands get cold. How many people, like when they start to like get panicked and they get, they start to get cold is because your all of your blood is coming from your extremities to your organs to fuel you moving as quickly and as fast as possible. Mm, and it's wow. like, so yeah, it's like, so I mean, it's very real, but you, you know, so, but whether you think that it's like, whether it's like anxiety and I tell my patients all the time, anxiety is future based. It has not happened, but your mind doesn't know that. So it's like, so what we tell ourselves mindset is everything. It really is. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and then what I find so fascinating about our culture is, is that we treat the mind, the body, and the soul as three separate entities. You go to a doctor for the medical, right? How many doctors do you know, unless they have a degree in nutrition, know anything about nutrition? 
Yeah. They aren't even taught it. Like that's like a part of like, yeah. Which is kind of crazy to think that how could we ignore where like that, the, the symptoms are coming from or the, the source of what's being put into our body and then assume we can mm-hmm. understand what's happening with the body. Exactly. Very much like, so. Even just a logical, like no one has to be a doctor to understand that that makes sense. Exactly. It's, it's common sense. Like, and this is body wisdom. This is very ancient body wisdom. And then like what happens is when we, when like, when we're talking about energy, people go, oh, that's woo woo. Or they'll say, oh, well, that's like spirituality. You go to a minister, go to a priest, go to a rabbi, an email. And I'm like, well, but it's like, and then the other part is like, we know what, like I've had doctors tell patients, it's like, oh, that's in your head. You need to go see a therapist. And it's like, most of the time, quite honestly, they're lazy. And then they just go, oh, well, you, you can just you, you go, go, go do that elsewhere. Yeah. And then there's still a huge stigma attached to seeing a therapist or to having a coach. I encourage people, I mean, go where you can grow. Go where you so can grow. I love you. that. Yes, exactly. Go where you can grow. It's like, so I'm like, I'm not for everyone. I'm, I'm not, I'm not pizza. And so like, there's always going to be <laughs> like, right? and I'm like, so there gets to be a rapport. There gets to be confidentiality. There gets to be an alignment there. And it's like, but if I'm not for you, I want you to find something that is. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Because there is someone for everyone. And that's like, you know, anyone that's a coach out there, or if you're looking for someone, there's someone that is so soul aligned for you, if you're willing to to believe that, right? Because if we believe it, then all of a sudden, these these opportunities are starting to come and doors are starting Mm -hmm. to open. And and so even for people listening, like if you experience symptoms of adrenal fatigue, if you believe that it can be healed and that's through the alignment of the chakras, that's really what we're talking about when, right? It's like coming mm-hmm. together of noticing, okay, there are these separate parts of me that are all trying to work together. And so how yes. can I be more, I love this question is how can I be more of me? I, I love that. That's great. And like, you know, so like when I said, like, you know, when like we go to different we go to different modalities and different treatments, but we're one person. So yeah. it's like, you know, I'm like therapists usually shy away from encountering the sacred and because it's spirituality and because it's philosophical and it's like, and then doctors shy away from the psychological. Well, that's all in your head. I don't want to touch that. And then it's like, you know, and then when we come to like, you know, ministers and stuff, it's like, well, they don't know they're not doctors. And they, but like, we get to treat the whole person. And here's the thing, and I truly believe this, the mind is more powerful and programs the body. So at that point, we get to learn how to take care of that and that there's so much ancient wisdom in it. We get to move forward with treating the whole person. So when you pay attention to what's occurring in your body, know thyself one of the most important things you can do. So like when you get the symptoms, any kind of symptom, it doesn't mean you run to the doctor. You don't have to have hypochondria. It just means that it's like, okay, what does this have to teach me? And what am I sourcing? So when the power of belief is, is so incredible. Yeah. And so we get to move more towards that. And it's like, so it's not all like woo woo, witch doctor, you know, shamanism. And then, and those things also have a place. All of it has a place Mm -hmm. and we get to like pull from different parts of like what serves us and what speaks to us and then move forward with that. And no one gets to tell you what works for you. No one gets to tell you who you are. 
And like, I mean, I can actually tell your listeners a, a very interesting story. So like, because um, years ago, after I had had gastric bypass surgery, yes, my guts have been rewired. But once I had that, I started having nodules on my thyroid in my throat. Mm. So the nodules were actually becoming so incredibly large. It was pushing into my trachea, my windpipe. And I was actually starting to cough. It was tickling like all the time. I was having more and more difficulty breathing. And so I went to the doctor. I went to an endocrinologist. And she had said, you have, these, you, you have this huge nodule on one part of your thyroid. And they took, they took like, you know, they aspirated it. They did the test. And, you know, thank God it wasn't cancer. And but they said, well, we're going to have to operate. We're going to remove your thyroid. And I was like, wait a minute. You told me that the test... Of my, of my thyroid levels is normal. I'm not hypo and I'm not hyper. It's actually functioning. I just have these nodules, like this one nodule that's actually large. And then she said, she's like, well, yeah, but you know, but we'll, we'll take it out because it has a you know, potential of growing back. I'm like, wait a minute, you want to take out a perfectly functioning organism, like an organ, and remove that. And then you will make me dependent on medication for the rest of my life. And seeing doctors for the rest of my life. That's not creating healing. It's not creating a cure or a treatment. That's creating more patience. And then I was like, no. And I said, I know what this is. Cause I'm like, I studied it. I know myself well enough. And I said, this is me not speaking my truth. This is me not living in and speaking my life and my experience. I held everything in and I, quite honestly, I was selfish. And I said, I will heal this. And she looked at me like I had two extra heads. And she's like, well, how are you going to do that? And I was like, I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to breathe into it. I am going to begin living my life. I'm going to actually research this. And I am going to begin speaking my truth and living my life. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. That's, that's really nice, Liz. And then she, she moved on and she was like, and I kept getting the calls from her office. You haven't scheduled with the surgeon. I said, yes, that's right. I told you I wasn't going to. And about a year and a half later, I went back just to check on it. It had shrunk. It had shrunk. And she literally said, how did you do that? And I was like, I told you. You choose not to believe me. I'm like, you are not more powerful than my body. You do not know me. And I am powerful and I have a gift of healing. That is what I do. That's what I do for my coaching clients. I'm not allowed to do that in my psychotherapy practice, but I do that. I hold space. I provide healing. I create paradigms in which people can be moved to know and love themselves. You can learn how to facilitate the healing of energy in somebody to heal themselves. Doctors are body technicians. They do not know your chemistry. They do not know your brain. They do not know your metabolism. Most of those tests are quite honestly very, very expensive. They don't want to do that because then they'd have to charge the insurance companies for like the system is broken. What's not broken is you. And even if you're feeling broken, I got news for you. The last time I checked, even the broken crayons still color. So we get to listen to our bodies. We get to listen to our own innate wisdom. We get to trust and we get to believe. And we also get to look at what things do 
that show up to teach us. Cancer, for example, thrives on fear and anger. It has a frequency. It has an energy. So all of us get to heal this. So I'm like, and it's not about fault. It's not about shame. It's not about blame. It's like looking at what it has to teach you. And one of the most important, most powerful lessons I've ever learned about cancer, life is now. That's, that's really it. And to love yourself because it's like very, very, like time is limited and you're here to learn and then you are here to pass that on. And so I'm like, and I, I always tell people like, you know, if, if my body could speak and it could write a love letter, it would speak of a love betrayed. And that gets to change. And there's so many women who do that, but I'm supposed to look like this. Who said, mm-hmm. but I'm, I have to do this. Who said, so what do we get to heal and what do we get to shift and change in our own mind to reprogram our body and how do we get to facilitate our own life's energy and life force because women are source we have this readily available men connect and want to be with us to be with source it's one of the reasons why it scares them we scare them and that's why we're suppressed the world over that also gets to change because we get to heal the collective. So every woman that stands for herself stands for humanity. Mm, That is so so good. That is so good. Cause I think that so much of the time when we're healing or when we're choosing ourselves or when we're saying no to others to say yes to ourselves, there's this feeling of selfishness. And so for, for women to really like, cause that's, that's an ongoing thing for me too, is remembering, okay, by healing myself, I'm healing the collective and every single person that I'm in contact with or even sharing a frequency with, which is everyone, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's so beautiful. And that story is incredible, Liz. That Thank story you. is so incredible. You I, know, I have I also, friends that have had cancer yeah. in their mm-hmm. thyroid. And you no, know, I also had that. I had that on, I had um, an ovarian cyst, the size of a grapefruit. And she, like, so I actually have pictures of this. They actually took pictures and I had to get it removed because they said they, they could not puncture it. It would grow back. It would simply heal and then it would fill up with fluid again. So thank, again, thank God that it was not full of fluid, but it was also about me not owning my sexuality and my feminine creativity. So what happened was when they removed it, because like she actually said, she was like, um, she's like, well, I can't tell how big the, how big the cyst is because you know, we can't see your ovaries. We can't tell if this is coming from your ovary or the fallopian tube or if it's on your uterus. We can't tell it's so large. And like, I didn't have any pain. I have no pain. And so when they removed it, they were like, okay, thank God it was on the cyst. It was on the ovary and it was just this huge cyst. It was filled with fluid. We were simply able to remove the whole thing and you could have children tomorrow. And that was a couple of years ago. And, but what happened was when I went to go back for my checkup and she said, you're growing one on the other ovary. And, and, she, and I was like, I said, I got this. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> and I'm going to shrink it. And again, she looked at me and she was like, same doctor, a different doctor. My oh, different doctor. No, different doctor, my gynecologist. And she's this wonderful little Jewish mom. And she's like, I've been with her for, oh my God, almost 20 years now. And, and like I told her, I was like, I'm, I'll, I will, I will handle this. I will shrink this. And she looked at me like, like, again, doctors, they don't believe in that. And because they're taught differently. And I said, well, I'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So I was like, I went home and like, I told my mom the same thing. And she, again, she's my mother, super analyzer, and like, looks at me like, what? And I was like, <laughs> got this, 
got this. I get to, I get to be my feminine. I get to own my sexuality. I get to explore. I get to, I get to love and I get to like have that kind of power, you know, and just like step into that. And I went back like, you're going to love this. I went back three months later, gone, gone, gone. I love it how you're literally healing your body. And I'm so glad you're sharing these stories because I've tried to explain this to people and I haven't been able to, and not in the way, and being able to have proof of someone on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your healing experiences. That's fucking incredible. Thank you. Yeah. So like, I'm going to tell people like, you know, so your mind is so powerful. The energy, like, you know, so whenever people say, you know, I don't believe in that woo woo energy stuff. I feel like there's comes a point where people need to stop. Like you can't even say that anymore. You can't even say that anymore. Right. (laughs) For anyone. I mean, of course, yeah, you can, of course, someone can say whatever they want, but like, not really, not in the collective of like, there's so many things that are proving that our connection, yeah. mind, body, spirit, that we are able yeah. to be our own healer. Like the, the I mm-hmm. saw this quote, it said, um, tomorrow's doctor is the patient. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know what? I, I've really come to, come to the, like, you know, I've been reading so much about energy psychology and like, I have my own energy coach and I am learning energy medicine right now. And that's actually what I'm, I'm offering in my coaching. So when I facilitated my workshop with Mastering Leadership Program with Michael Strassner, I, um, I started doing this. Like, I'm like, I've got the mental health aspect. I've been doing psychotherapy for 20 years. I know how to treat mindset. It doesn't mean that I've, doesn't mean I'm perfect. I'm not a guru on high. I will be the first one to tell you that I still make mistakes, still screw up. I'm still real. I still struggle with things because like I said, that's behavioralism. That's psychology. Ego is very slippery. Yeah. And I'm also very smart, which means my ego is just as powerful. <laughs> and, you know, and like sometimes, I, sometimes I really get that wake up call and I'm going, damn it. Oh, and yeah. When it's like that moment you realize that you've oh. been like almost screwing yourself over. Oh. oh, honey. Yes, absolutely. And then like, and then I started realizing, I'm like, wait a minute, the body psychosomatic experiencing is so important. Dr. Bessel van der Kolk, one of the foremost authorities in the world, researchers in the world on trauma, is beginning to teach about how the body is, like he's actually, he's on the forefront of this and he's teaching how the body processes and releases trauma. Dr. Peter Levine talks about this. And like, so both of them, like amazing, fascinating. And the neuroscience of this. And it's like, so we have trauma on like every level, whether it's a big T trauma or that's a little T trauma. And it's like, and you know, what we found is the little T trauma is actually the most evasive because it's long-term low grade. And those are the things like, like growing up in an alcoholic home or an addicted home or being neglected as a child, having that parent that was never there. Like those are actually much more detrimental than something like, you know, being held up. You know, it doesn't mean it's like, we're not, we're not trivializing it. It's just like, there's different ways in which it's processed and especially mm. on a developing brain. And yeah. so, and, the, and like, like, I feel like getting held up or getting raped or that's like, you know, oh, this is a traumatic experience versus absolutely. I think most people don't realize that some childhood things was traumatic. They've never classified as traumatic. So they've never yes. looked at it as traumatic, but right. I mean, anything that happened that caused it caused shame, guilt, shame or guilt mm-hmm. can be classified mm-hmm. as traumatic. Yeah. Absolutely. Is there an actual term or anything like trauma is actually classified as anything that threatens your 
life or the witnessing of something that is potentially life-threatening. Now think about how much ground that covers. Wow. So even being in like, there's, there is a specific type of trauma to being in a drug addicted lifestyle, even if you came to it later, there's even trauma in being in a domestic violence relationship later mm-hmm. in life. So oh, it's I like believe in, that because even being oh, in an abusively relation, like I, a lot of listeners um, have experienced like narcissistic relationships or narcissistic tendencies in their past relationships. And I mean, because I have, and so I tracked and I talk about that. And so it kind of pulls it in. And so I just think about that impact that it had on me that could have carried over into years of my entire life. If I wouldn't have done the inward questioning and the inward work of being like, I don't feel good, but I don't know why. And I had no idea it was associated with that. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? I thought I let this go, but the body never lets it go. No, the body, the body remembers. Until we release though, right? Until we release. And then it's like a past memory, but it isn't creating a physical response anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, that's so powerful. Exactly. And it's like most of the time when we make decisions, we make decisions because we've learned a certain pattern, because we're telling ourselves, because we don't want to suffer through it again. What happens is, is that we will continue to recycle our experiences until we change our mindset. And like, that is so incredibly powerful, which means we also have freedom. We have freedom. It's like, and that's part of like, that's actually what I'm calling my program, fear to freedom. And that's what I do is I help you to shift out of like hurtful mindsets. I help to remove those implants and that energy and help your body to facilitate its own healing. Because every time you make a response, a reaction from fear or for scarcity, it's like, you're going to be recycling those old experiences. And it's like, that is so incredibly painful. And it's like, and it doesn't have to be, we can heal. Trauma is hereditary and so is healing. Hmm. So we, when we stand for ourselves, when we stand for others, when we like, that's how we do it. It's like, and that's what I actually refer to as encountering the sacred in trauma. That's actually the title of my book. And that's actually in the works right now. Um, so that gets to, that's, that's being published. So it's already copyrighted. You can't take it, (laughs) (laughs) but it's like, even though we would never want someone to, to like, you know, to, to, for any of these things to ever happen to somebody. But what it does is it wakes us up to our purpose. We actually get to become advocates for others to break the cycle of trauma. That is exactly what my passion is. And it's like, so it gets to be released. And like, so the only thing that ever worked for me, I had 15 years of my own therapy. I've been doing therapy for almost 20 years. And I started doing emotional intelligence and I started like, I'm a Reiki practitioner and now I'm learning energy medicine. And this is the only thing that has really started to move me in the trajectory of my life of living with purpose and living with my passion and getting to take this to the masses to change and transform lives. That's what I do. And that's what I love. So, and it's like, and guess what? It starts with me. That's why I'm healing my body. It's like, but guess what? Everything that you do to your body is cumulative. So it's like, you know, I'm never going to be a small woman, but it's like, but I also get to love exactly where I am because it served me well. And I've survived 100% of everything I've ever been through. Yeah. And I'm a fighter. I'm a warrior. You're a warrior. You're a warrior goddess 
princess, right? <laughs> okay, guys. Well, thank I, you. Like you, 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 you've been in the ring, like actually boxing. You're like, that is incredible too, that like you've actually gone both sides of like, whoa, you've had this side of you that maybe other people didn't know. <laughs> but then at the same time, you can show up and strut on the runway being a diva. So like, that is so cool to be able to have that duality and be able to like oh. create that relationship with yourself. You know, it has been so cool and so amazing to what I've actually been learning about masculine and feminine energy. So the right half, your right, your right half of your body is the masculine huh. and the left half of your body is the feminine. And so when we actually, when we do Reiki, when pain shows up for you in your body, ask yourself, where is it? What does it have to tell you? So here's the thing. Like, I love this because like my knees hurt all the time. So I have no cartilage in my knees. And so, but I, re- I remember like being in the ring. So like, yes, I was, I was a boxer. I was also an ice hockey player and like very recently. <laughs> so I'm like, I came to that later in life. And what I was doing was, is I'm like, I was spending most of my time in the masculine. Masculine energy is all about conquering, competing and controlling. It's very directed And it's all about, you know, I am going to strive towards this goal and this result, no matter what it takes. And I will do it. And like, even if I'm dying and it's like, it's so, so it's so interesting and so fascinating. And then like, so when I read that, I was like, oh my God, I've been in my masculine, like most of my life, holy crap. And then what happened was I was taking all of my rage and my, my powerlessness and my anxiety and my fear. And I was projecting it literally (laughs) onto men and I was, I was like, I was getting in the ring with men my size and dropping them. Like, no kidding. <laughs> Which is a little embarrassing, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm so proud. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing embarrassing about that strength because, I, I mean, I think what I've noticed with certain people is they get the emotional strength and then it starts, then they realize that, oh, wow, I can be physically strong too. And you started with the physical strength and then bridged over to discover your emotional strength. Absolutely. And you know, one of the things like, so I, and I'm like, but that's the thing though, is when I started to step into my feminine, I realized that I don't have, I don't have, I cannot control every variable. I cannot compete. There is no comparison. The only thing I ever have to compare myself to is who I was yesterday. And that's the only thing I ever want to compete with. And then like, when it comes to conquering, it's like, you know, there's, there doesn't get to be always this constant drive. I get to attract, I get to be the invitation that is the feminine and I get to receive and I'm worthy of that. And so, and that's like the beauty of it. So like, so yes, it's like gloves off and heels on. And like, I have actually been in a bikini on a yacht in a photo shoot and it was incredible. And then like, and going, you know what? I don't need to be the woman that had like, I can do it. If it's going to be done right, it's like, I'm going to do it. And it's like, sometimes I just get to come from a place of neutral and I get to actually allow people to contribute to me because I'm worthy of having that. Not because I can't do it myself because I've already proven my capable, but it's like, I don't need to. So when like, we have that availability to us at all times. So when I was working out and I was boxing and I was playing ice hockey and like my knees would hurt, it always hurt on the right side. You know why? Because I was stuck in my anger. And I was stuck in being inflexible and being right about it. Masculine energy is about being right about it. And then like always forward, 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 advance, advance, never surrender. And I bristled at that word. I thought it was giving away power. I thought feminine energy was weakness. Being soft is not weak. Like, and I get to stand in my power 
and know who I am and what I want and be very, very aligned and very powerful in that and still be allowed to be soft and be feminine and to flow and be in grace and ease. And believe me, it is still a struggle. And like, sometimes I'm still like, you know, like, no, you don't get to never without my permission. And I get to choose, I get to choose who I share my life with, who I share my thoughts with. And that, that is responsibility because it was a response to a stimulus. You have, we don't have control, does not exist naturally in nature. Like I always tell my patients, let go or get dragged. And as we respond to something is in our freedom and we have that ability, I call it response able. So mm. it's, it's not about fault. And so when we get to let go and we just get to go, okay, now I can choose and now I can move in either direction. I get to be neutral from this. And it's, that's powerful. So we don't have control. We have power and we have influence. So how do you choose to influence others? Like, and one of the things I'm learning, and like I call it Irish diplomacy, it's the ability to tell somebody to go to hell and have them look forward to the trip. I get to be a loving controller <laughs> in like in our terms, and I get to be the velvet covered hammer. And it's like, I can be soft or I can be hard hitting. It's like, whatever calls for that. It's like, it gets to land and I get to communicate and I get to connect and be humble and confident. And I used to think that those terms were mutually exclusive and they're not. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. so like we get to choose what we learn from a trauma. Trauma doesn't have to be debilitating, but believe me, it can be. And I've been through trauma. I've, like, so there's a reason why I specialize in this. There's a reason why I'm a certified trauma therapist. And the reason why it's my passion is like, I've seen, I've seen and heard and been through some things, girl, like all the things. <laughs> and I'm on the other side. I'm on the other side. And it's like, <sighs> And sometimes like, I don't like seeing people suffer. So what I always tell my, my clients, my coaching clients and my patients is I don't pray for people to not be in their shit. I don't, I don't pray for them to not suffer. What I pray for them is to suffer long enough that they're willing to do something different, to have something different. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing that ever motivates. People do not do things when it does not benefit them. So if the benefit is an excuse, if the benefit is a self-sabotage, if the benefit is to be a victim and have an easy way out, to stay in their comfort zone and stay miserable, that's what they will do. Mm -hmm. That's such a good point. There's always a benefit. There's always a win. And I ask people all that. Like I was on the phone today with... um, with someone and she was saying like, I don't know why I keep procrastinating. I don't know why I won't like just do this like thing. Like I, and you know, it came down to the association of if she does it imperfectly, she's not good enough. And so Mm -hmm. it was like, well, what are you gaining from not doing it? And what she was gaining was, oh, well, if I don't fuck up, I'm safe. Mm -hmm. And so there's, there was, there was a, a thing where she's being able to gain from it. And so I think that that's something that every single thing we do, we have to realize there's a win involved, whether we realize yes. there's a win or not, whether we realize mm-hmm. like it's not a conscious thing. And once we start to bring a conscious perspective as to why we're doing what we're doing and what we're gaining from it, it almost like most of the time it's humorous. Cause it's like, Oh shit. Now that I know, well, I don't want to actually be in that cycle. <laughs> right. Cause then it's, we have to ask, well, what are we gaining from doing the thing we actually want to do? And Mm -hmm. since we know, like if, if for that girl situation, you know, if I don't complete this project, then I'm safe and I don't fuck up. Okay. So if you know, fucking up is the biggest fear. What if it was okay to fuck up? 
Uh-huh. It's okay exactly. to do it messy and not like have it be perfect, you know? And so I think that mm-hmm. being able to have that conversation with ourselves to say, what if this exact thing I'm afraid of could be acceptable for the moment because I'm learning? Exactly. So it's like, you know, like, okay, well, you know what, guess, guess what? You get to give yourself permission to, to fuck up. Okay. Well, you know, <laughs> I think mean, it's like, you know, and it's like, what I tell, I actually, I actually had this conversation with one of my patients today is like, you know, give yourself permission, you know, because like everyone in the world is looking to you to know how to treat you. What are you allowing? What do you allow? And it's like, because boundaries are very, very crucial. And it's like, so it's, you know, where do I end and where do you begin? What is my responsibility versus what is my obligation? And, you know, and I don't owe anyone anything. So, and like, I always tell my patients, like guilt serves no purpose in the human psyche other than giving you the excuse to beat the shit out of yourself. Say that again. It's like really, guilt serves no purpose in the human psyche other than giving you the reason to beat the shit out of yourself. It actually gives other people to be able to utilize fear to control you. Mm. But control is, like we said, is an illusion. So if you're allowing somebody to be able to live rent-free in your head, who's really responsible for that? Mm, I love that analogy so much because it's very valuable real estate. It's valuable real estate. And it's like, yeah, who are we giving priceless, valuable real estate to for free? Exactly. And I'm going to tell you, it's like, you know, usually free is one of my favorite words, not in this case. So be very, very careful who you allow to influence your mind and your energy. And it's like, you get to trust yourself. So like when your gut and like, here's the thing, I love this again, more of that body wisdom is like, your gut is never going to lie to you. Your emotions and even your serotonin, like all those things, it's like, it's actually metabolized through your gut. So when you have a gut instinct, like listen to it. Cause your mind get all like, like, you know, misaligned and get all confused. It's going to tell you stories. You're going to get all in your head. And then even your heart, because we want to have empathy. It's like, it's going to lie to you. Listen to your gut. It doesn't lie. Mm-hmm. Is that your mom? <laughs> in the background? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My roommate just got home. Oh, okay. Yeah. But no, but it's like, but it's, it's like, that, that's incredibly powerful. I'm like, I think that there's, there's so much innate learning and wisdom. It's like, and we don't want to look at it because it's uncomfortable and it's messy and it's painful. And it's like, and you also get to, cause it's the only way in which we ever are going to grow. Mm-hmm. It, yes. Know? Yes. Thank you for saying that, that we get to start that process of self-healing because everything around us is not encouraging that. And what I mean by that is everything is set up for instant gratification, including the healthcare system, because it's like, Oh, oh. I got a problem. Here's a pill. Or even like Amazon. Like I'm, I love Amazon because if I want something, I can have it tomorrow at my doorstep. You know, and it's just like this indulgence of like anything I want, I can have at my fingertips. Are you freaking kidding me? And so then it's probably what now hearing Pavlov's law, it's probably a conditioned response to think, okay, if I am aware and know what I want, then I should have it now. Why do I not have it now? You know? And so like, we have to break (laughs) away from this, like this, like construct of thinking, oh, you mean I have to put in the effort and then I'll get a result versus can't I give someone money? Can't I like skip this process? Where's the hack? You know, always trying to find the easiest possible way to get somewhere and to get something done versus, you know, 
is what it is. Take, put in the Absolutely. work. Absolutely. Put in what? the work. And it can We're be easy. We're biologically wired to do that. We're biologically wired to do that. I mean, just like, you know, like... We're biologically wired to want fat and sugar, you know, so it's like, it feels good. You know, like I I love when people, I've had people like come into my office and they'll say like, you know, I'm not sure if I'm an emotional eater. I'm like, well, stop eating. You'll learn real damn quick. And it's like the same thing with like, you know, if you're ever kind of wondering about something and you're going, well, I don't know if I'm an addict or, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I'm like, well, then stop that behavior. And then you're going to find out really quick, like see how uncomfortable Mm. you become. And so anything that, and I will repeat this, this is so important, is like anything that affects and has the ability to change your mood can become an addiction. Anger can be an addiction. Lust, it can be an addiction. Shopping, gambling, drugs, alcohol, porn. I mean, so like, you know, shopping. Yeah. Netflix, you know, we're actually like, we're looking at like how much Netflix that when you, when you binge on it, it lights up dopamine, social media for like these kids out here is like taking the liquor cabinet, unlocking, going, okay, have fun with that. Yeah. There's, there, there's studies that show that you get the same like dopamine hit from um, doing methamphetamine as you, you do when you go and see red little dot notifications on Instagram and Facebook. Mm-hmm. So the addiction of, it's almost like the gambling thing. Like, let me just put in one more dollar, one more 20. Maybe I'll win. Maybe I'll win. Same thing with like checking the email. Cause you'll mm-hmm. refresh, 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 or go to the, or go to Instagram, Facebook, refresh, refresh, refresh. Cause it's just like, can I get another hit of that dopamine? Yep. Absolutely. And you know, like we're hardwired to want that too. So it's like, so don't uh, guilt and shame yourself for wanting it. That's like what I hear from that is don't shame yourself. Just be an observer. Be like, okay, I see that that's hardwired within me. I don't really like that because it doesn't actually make me feel good. What's something I can do that does feel good. Like I always like, that's like the train of thought that I put myself through that I want everyone to start to be able to create that internal dialogue of, huh, Mm -hmm. Interesting, mm-hmm. like becoming that observer, becoming mindful of it instead of saying, Oh my God, why am I like this? You know, and it's like, ah, versus wait, I, I can shift and adjust and change my frequency at any time. Absolutely. And like, you know, and that's why, you know, you're 100% responsible 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. You are a source for everything in your life. I actually had a discussion today with one of my patients, and she was like, She's like, But I, I can't go any lower, and I, I can't do any more. And I'm like, Okay, well, as soon as you think you've hit rock bottom, there's always a trap door. There's always a trap door. And it's like, So, but then as soon as I would say something, she would go, Yes, but. And that's actually, it's, it's a game. Yes, but. And there's also another one where like, you know, a lot of people who are like, like, I will tell you, I'm like, I am an analyzer. I will overthink my overthinking. I can be an asshole <laughs> and keep asking an questions. Asshole. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I, cause I will sit there and I'm like, I need to plan for every single thing. And it's like, there comes a point where you get to trust and you get to have mm-hmm. faith. That's the essence and of the feminine energy it, for me is trust and the surrender it because is. I had no idea how I was living in my masculine energy all the time yeah. until I released all control because there's a part of me that was craving it. And that's when all of like, go, that's where all of the symptoms of adrenal fatigue went away once I just, and, and I didn't even know what it was until years later, but all mm-hmm. of them went away when I, I, 
left the job. I left the stress. I, I moved to Costa Rica and started teaching English, you know, like all these things happened that all of a sudden my entire, how I felt my body, everything started changing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I think that there is a balance of both. There's a unity of the masculine and the feminine, but our body, our body teaches us what we need to know if we tune in. Absolutely. And you know, the masculine and feminine, they're just energies. That doesn't have anything to do with gender politics. It doesn't yes. have anything. To do. Thank you for saying that. And you know what? Like one of the things that I was actually, and I just did my Facebook live on this the other night. So for your listeners, if they ever want to check out Liz Childs. I'll tag you. Shift, it's my show. Oh, love it. Okay. I'm your, source, I'm your source for when shift happens. Ooh. <laughs> yes. So it's, so when like, you know, but we all have access to that. And it's like, it's not about like, so when I talk to people and I tell them about, there is a very big difference between sexuality versus sensuality versus intimacy. And people get them confused all the time. Mm. And then they're always constantly wanting to go, but what about this? What about this? And it's like, we're not actually in a relationship for other people. We're in a relationship for ourselves. And we get to be there for ourselves first. You cannot love someone else until you truly love yourself. And ask me how I've learned that the hard way. And, and it's like, you know, I've had lots of patients, lots of clients that will, will rile against that. Of course I love other people. No, I know that's not what I said. It's incomplete. You cannot completely love someone else. Because what happens is it creates cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance in the middle, in the, in the mind you cannot stand it because we're always looking for equilibrium. We're always looking for homeostasis. We want things to be placid. We want to, like, it will always come back to your truth. So if you believe that you are not lovable, when someone else says, but I love you, you're such an amazing person, it creates a cognitive dissonance. You are going to look for ways to make them wrong for your ego to come back to your truth, which is you are not lovable. And then what happens is it actually, scientifically, it lowers their, your opinion of them. And so then we start to sabotage the relationship and then we go, but I don't want to be alone. It's like most of this is subconscious. 85% of life is subconscious. And there is actually a theory right now. And you can look up the TEDx talk. It's so cool. Is like that the, the unconscious mind hallucinates your reality. Very cool. That is and it's like, awesome. so, but you are creating your reality. You are the creator. God, goddess is within you. You have the power. So what are you doing with it? So that's when I like, that's when I really want to empower. Like, you know, when I hear a lot of these coaches talk about empowerment, empowerment, it's like, it's, it's a buzzword. And I'm just going, really? So what does that really mean? And I see a lot of them that are very, very good at unpacking all your shit and then have no idea what to do with it. And I see that a lot and it it really upsets me and I'm just kind of like, okay, but it's like, like anything, buyer beware market, just like you do with dating. Something doesn't sit in alignment with you. It's like, you know, don't listen to you like, oh, but I I don't want to be alone. Usually when we don't like being alone, it's because we don't like who we spend time with. You get to know yourself, love yourself. And guess what? It's a decision. And it's not a one and done. Like I said earlier in the broadcast, it's not a one and done you keep to do, you keep doing it. You keep coming back to it again and again, keep learning you and it changes and it shifts. And guess what? Aging is a bitch. Gravity is a bitch. Like, you know, it's like, so you're going to be changing. You get to have a different relationship with you all the time. You get to redefine it. How exciting. 
And there's beauty in that and there's grace in that and there's truth in that. There's also pain. Mm -hmm. And that makes so much sense with other people where you're like, oh, well, we change together. But no, I don't feel like people recognize that side of it of, oh, but I'm changing too. So the relationship with myself as well needs to change and I need to learn to adapt and adjust and have self-compassion. And Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what, there's always going to be like, you know, and like, I've got, um, I've got some coaching clients right now that, that are really struggling and, and, you know, and she's going, I don't understand. Why does he do this? La la la. He just, he, I'm like, I'm like, well, he also processes differently from you. Well, I feel like so frustrated because he does. I'm like, I understand that. And frustration teaches you more about you. So where are you not having empathy and where are you actually sourcing that? And what are you holding him to? Because you're holding him to an expectation And you're holding him to a contract that he did not agree to. And he doesn't process the same way you do. And I said, usually when we don't have patience with someone else, it's because we're not having it for ourselves. Mm. When you don't trust someone else, it's because you don't trust yourself. Trust in like, it's, it's an inside job. So it's like, you know, and no one, you cannot give something else, some, something else to someone that you don't have. So if you don't love yourself, you can't give that away. And I see so many women, and I know that a lot of your listeners are women. It's like that we have so many women in our culture that they don't find themselves. They don't love themselves. They're looking to all the social media. They're looking to all these other things to determine who they are. And as many different people as you ask is as many different people's opinion as you're going to get. And like what I had always learned is opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. So then like... <laughs> So you get to decide who you are and there's no one who can tell you that. And as you move through that, a lot of times what happens is is they don't find themselves and they lose their individuality in their couplehood and they lose their couplehood in parenthood. And then next thing they know, they're in their fifties, they're in their sixties, their kids are grown if they have, if they choose to have them. And then they look at this person, who are you? because they didn't actually choose their partner. They didn't choose themselves. And it's such a, it's so, it's such a huge problem. It's why the divorce rate is 51% right now. It's why children are breaking up in broken homes. And that's not about blame. I mean, I came from a single parent, like my mom raised me and my brother. And it's like, that was also not due to choice. My father died when I was 10. And so it's like, you know, so it's not a right or a wrong. It's like that we get to look at, so where do we get to show up and where do we get to be to heal part of that collective? There is something called the universal wound and it's, it's out there. It's part of a matrix. There is an energy actually circling this planet that we pull ideas from, we pull healing from, we pull inventions. And, you know, it's like, and one of my most favorite quotes, sorry, Victor Hugo, is there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. It's time to rise. It's time to claim your path. You are 40 trillion cells that will never ever occur in this configuration, not before in history and not after. You are special. And you know what? As much as like I've heard people say about, you know, you know, don't be a snowflake. It's like, you know what? Be a freaking snowflake. They're beautiful and they're a limited edition, honey. You are a limited edition. Own it. And it's, it's, a, it's a great thing. And it's like, you know, and like a lot of these times, you know, I get to remember some of those things when I get caught up, when I get triggered, because I'm human too. And like, so that's the, that's the beauty of it. And like, I always tell my clients, and I even say it on my broadcast, on, on my Facebook lives, is like, 
If you don't believe in yourself, find someone who does until you do. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I love yeah. my work. I love what I, I love your work too, because we have very similar work. And so these conversations light me up so much. And I'm so grateful for people like you that are doing the work that you're doing, that are healing the collective consciousness, that are standing in your truth healing your own body like a little wizard. I love it. <laughs> like a sorceress. A sorceress. <laughs> a sorceress. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And Liz, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show and for sharing you know, your expertise, sharing your story, sharing your perspective on this. Like, thank you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. I, you know, I always love talking to you because like, it lights me up too. Because like, I just really feel like you're, you know, you're part of my tribe and like you're, you're a soul sister and like we get to be the remembrance for each other and we get to remember how to play and how to honor one another. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like truly loving women, they raise each other up. They straighten each other's crown without judgment. Mm-hmm. And ladies, there's enough space for everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's and if you ever space. feel like you're, if you ever feel like you're alone, there was something that I read recently. I thought this was so brilliant is like a lot of times, you know, leaders are born to stand out and light workers even more so. And that's really what I consider myself to be a light worker and a healer. And it's like, you know, healing doesn't come from me. It's not about ego. It channels through me. Mm-hmm. And that's so I feel the exact workers, same way. And light workers are actually dispersed all over the planet in enough ways to be able to create a matrix that can actually sustain and heal the planet. And so it's like, so a lot of times we do end up feeling alone or lonely, but then we also get to connect. And every single human being wants to be heard, seen, understood, and loved. And how do we actually form really meaningful connections Real relationships are built on trust, open communication, and consistency. And there is like a beauty and a simplicity in that. And it's also like most things is deceptively simple and hard to implement because every single relationship you're ever going to be in, doesn't matter what it is, romantic or family or coworker, holds you up to a mirror. You don't like what you see, you get to change it. Within, within. And without. And without, but especially within, right? Because I feel like assholes are our best spiritual teachers. I believe everything happens for us, to us for a reason. And it's always really trite, but it's like, you know, sometimes I may never know what it is, but guess what? I'm still making up something about it. Like my mentor told me a long time ago, Liz, if you're going to make up shit, make up something nice. <laughs> Make up something that serves you in the direction exactly. you want to go. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Usually do. Oh shit! I don't. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, actually. So yeah, and it's like, but these things are yeah. it's, like these are all fundamental truths that you know we come back to again and again. And it's like, but there gets to be healing, and there gets to be like this teaching, and it's like, and you know what? It's like it's never easy. It's never easy, and it's like, but it, but you're worth it. You were spending the time on it. It's like, guess what? You're going to be learning for the rest of your life. And don't take things so seriously because none of us ever get out alive. And there's so much play available. There there's is. so much play available. Because like, yes, I, I believe, I believe it, 
I, I slightly disagree that it's never going to be easy because there's times where it's fucking easy, but it's yeah. not, it's easy it, because it feels so fucking good to be fully in alignment. But I feel like that's mm. the peak to where it's like the top of the mountain feeling where yes, yep. 90% of the times it's not mm-hmm. easy because we're mm-hmm. climbing or we're, or we're trusting or, process. or processing. Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. there gets to be like those moments all the time. Like with when we show up for ourselves in a way we didn't know is possible. Mm-hmm. Like, so anyone, like, I like to tell people, instead of following your passion, follow your fear. Yeah. Face everything and rise. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I do love that. And, you know, and so like, you know, and I know that we have all like the little different like sayings and little trite things. And it's like, but that's why, you know, sometimes you just get to remind something. And that's why I tell people, it's like, you know, shift when you're ready. Because, you know, it's like, yeah, that's why I said. That's the thing. Yeah. Timer. Great point. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, so. And like, find somebody that's in alignment with you. Find somebody that's like, you know, speaks your truth, that you know, speaks your language that you feel really good about. It's like, it makes all the difference. Yeah. All and, difference. and unfollow anyone that doesn't make you feel good. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I actually, I'm one of those people that I'm, I'm introverted and I'm actually an ambivert, I should say. Cause I'm like, I can be extroverted when I want to be, and I can be really on and then introverted when like, I just, I'm just like, oh, okay. You know what? The only person I'm speaking to is this glass of wine and my dog. <laughs> <laughs> Are you yeah. by chance an ENFP? I'm an, I am an INFJ. Oh, I'm ENFP. So, and they're often ambiverts too, where it's like, I'm, I joke that I'm the most um, introverted extrovert. <laughs> No. Yeah. Well, you know, but I actually think that it's like, you know, but being an ambivert, like I love to be the life of the party and like, you know, I love to have like that tension. It's like, but then when I want to be alone, I want to be alone. And that's how I'm like, I, I need to recharge and I need to do all those things. And it's so like, sometimes it's actually kind of tricky. It's like, you know, kind of go on that divide and then just go, okay, just hurry. Everybody can GFO. <laughs> yeah. And I give my, and it's like that dialogue of, I give myself permission to need and want what I want right now. And like getting used to listening to, well, what do I need? Do I want to go to this party or do I want to go home? And like giving ourselves permission to say, this person is not going to stop loving me if I choose to deny an invitation, you know? Right. And you know what? If they do, they're not. That's not your person. Yeah, for real. It's a great indicator on people that need to exit stage left. Well, it's also a really great indicator that when my dog doesn't like you, I'm not going to either. <laughs> <laughs> I always trust my dog's intuition. <laughs> so, so before we end, Joyfully You, I would love to hear, I'm going to ask you to complete a sentence. Oh, so, okay. Like so, this is very psychoanalytical. Love it. Oh, really? This is one of my yeah, favorite Reese, things to do. Freud did that. Absolutely. Oh, I love doing this with people. So self-love is. You know, actually, I was just like, self-love is so right. That's what I was thinking. It's so right. <laughs> it's so right. It's just, it's nice. <laughs> Beautiful. And even that, that's, there's so much power and such a simplicity of self love is right. Because I even had people within my own family that are like, Kelsey, it's so cool that you want to do self-love, but you need to accept the fact that you're never going to make money off that. And I was like, oh, thank you so much for loving me enough to share your fear. But it was kind of that thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> so, and and I, I call it smearing the fear. When people come and they want to smear their fear of you. But it's be- And I found out later, it's because there's an association that self-love was selfish. So thank you for that. Self-love is so right. 
Oh, you know what? Actually, one of the things I taught one of my patients, and she actually got it tattooed on her arm, no kidding, is I taught her at a very young age the difference between selfish and self-preservation. And she actually told me, she's like, she's been with me for many years. And she said it was one of the most powerful lessons that she ever learned. Being selfish is at the detriment of others and you don't care what happens to them. Being, having self-preservation means you are taking care of yourself. And if it is to the detriment of others, it's not intentional. It is not your focus and that it makes all the difference in the world. It's the same difference with manipulation. Therapists are master manipulators. They need to be. So manipulation has a negative connotation in our culture, but it's like, again, it has the intention to focus. So I can be manipulative to your benefit. Whereas someone who may be a used car salesman or a con artist is to manipulate to their benefit, focus and intention. So selfish to the detriment of others because you don't care, there's no empathy, or selfish preservation and giving yourself permission to take care of you, that is, it's a necessity and it is beautiful. So there's the difference. Thank you so much, Liz. I appreciate you being on the show and I know everyone listening does as well. And guys, if you want to be able to get in contact with her, I'm going to put all of her information in the show notes. And it's, it's been such a joy having you. Thank you. Like I am all about healing, transforming lives. And you know what? I became very, very clear a long time ago that I wanted to prevent, even if it was just one person from ever feeling the way that I did, all of it's worth it. Mm. So and I just, I just love, love with my whole heart, my whole body. And then I get to actually heal people's energy and facilitate their body and mind's own healing. Yes. So I'm super excited about that. Liz Childs, Healing the Inner Child. Yes, and that's actually the name of the website, Heal Your Inner Childs. I love it. I love it so much. It's also my handle on Instagram with an, with an underscore between each word. And I'll have that link in the show notes. You guys can click on the link and it'll take you straight to um, her Instagram. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Joyfully You Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Lowe. Let's give a round of applause. I wish I was on a stage for Liz Childs and... Um, pure love, pure gratitude for you and everything that you do. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for healing and transforming the world. Um, Your work is so necessary and so needed. Thank you. Back at you, sister.